Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan. And I'm Justin. And today we're going to talk about where we are in the season. And what I mean by that isn't physically or philosophically, but more like what is the state of the college football world as we speak. This kind of in two parts we're going to talk about the current top 10 anything that you know we might think is interesting about the top 10 and what poll are we going to use uh i think we're going to use the ap poll and then we can kind of compare that to the the smp plus ranking yeah 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 we'll, we'll do the current ap top 10 and then we will do a state of the program uh for uga football at this moment just going over whatever stats we think are relevant or and just I think also we're going to use that as an opportunity to do some like big picture stuff in terms of where are we, capital W, capital A, capital W, um, on this season. Yeah, I think it's worth starting um, at the the 10 spot where the AP poll says uh, is at 10, which is Oklahoma. Now, I, I everyone has opinions about the AP poll. AP poll has its own thing and it's got a bunch of people who they deem should be voters who vote on this this poll and they get points and um, at the point where we stand right now it is unanimous that alabama is the number one spot receiving 61 votes from various folks which uh it's not any coaches it's more like um people within the the college football world the associated press well it's Um, it's um i think it's all reporters right yeah, it's specifically reporters. It's people who watch um, the game. So it's yeah, basically so a high test. S&P Plus has um, Oklahoma at 14. Mm-hmm. They had a pretty brutal loss to Iowa State um, three weeks ago. Uh, a 32% percentile performance. This is a team that is basically going to go as far as their offense takes it takes them. Um, they have the number one overall S&P Plus ranked offense and the 85th ranked defense. Which is so, pretty stark uh, contrast yeah. there. So you're going to have games where you win like 56 to 7 or 56 to 14 or 49, 41. And then you're going to have games where you lose um, like they did to Iowa State, 31, 38. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is a team that if UGA sees it, I think will most likely be if we play Oklahoma, it'll be because they went out. Um, but don't make the college football playoff, and then we play them in like an access bowl or a near six bowl. This is a team where I don't think we're going to see this team really. Um, they're good, man. Passing they're good. They're very one, good. Passing success rate two. But the reason why I don't think we're going to see them is because they've got something that the rest of the top ten doesn't have on the rest of their schedule, and it's projected losses. Yeah, they've two got two projected, projected losses. losses to Oklahoma State and TCU. Yeah, TCU, who is just completely on fire right now, and Oklahoma State, who's just a great passing team, who's going yeah. to be, um, I was about to say, more efficient on offense, but this is the number one rated offense in the league right now. Number yeah, one but on I mean, efficiency. this is also defensively, this is a team that um, is currently ranked defensively 115th on passing ISO PVP and 93rd on passing S&P Plus overall. Ugh. Yeah, so, I mean, they're they're not a very good passing offense, and, you know, they're about to play TCU and Oklahoma State, two teams that will pass. Yeah, so I think we can move on from them. I don't think yeah. there's a lot of super – there's not a huge amount of interest um, UGA-wise. So, who's next? Not too concerned about the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, number nine on the AP poll is Notre Dame, which is making it out to be a very good win for us earlier yeah. in the season. Um, they are currently ranked 10 on the S&P Plus ranking. 
uh, which is just one down, bit 12, smaller of a margin. 12 S&P plus offense, uh, 18 S&P plus defense. Very good all-around team. Very good all-around win for us. Um, the only problem with them keeping winning is the nightmare scenario. But right now, the nightmare scenario, I think, is that UGA wins out, goes to the SEC championship, loses to Alabama, and then doesn't get into the uh, college football playoff because they are because um, Notre Dame is uh, goes in above them. Yeah, because you know the CFP playoff, you know they're going to get the 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 playoff committee is going to get pressure to put Notre Dame in Notre Dame, who's like the original national brand. I just don't care about Notre Dame. But then again, like what's important about this game that I want people to pay attention to is the fact that it was the first real quarterback that we played that was a pocket passer. He was a dual threat, of course, but he, he do what. Yeah, yeah, he can pass. He can definitely pass. And so this is a game we can learn from. This is a game that we need to look at as we play these teams in different divisions and conferences. This yeah. is a team we can kind of copy and paste the uh, kind of the, the strategy that we had in this game and just kind of apply that to games like if we do end up playing, say, Penn State or Washington or TCU, those kind of teams out there, uh, or even Notre Dame again. Who knows? Well, yeah. Crazier team, things have happened. This is a team that will run the hell out of the ball. They run it like... 60% of the time. But um, as we know, the, the run game is not something that Georgia is particularly scared of. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which is good for us. But I, I, I do agree, like, in terms of quality of opponent, um, this really, this was the first game that kind of woke me up to, like, oh, we might have something here. We're all right. Guess who number eight is? <laughs> Our old friend, old Mark Richt at Miami. So Miami is uh, number eight on the AP poll. They're ranked number 11 overall S&P Plus right now is very exciting for Mark Richt. Uh, completely undefeated. They are looking to go uh, and win the rest of the season out. Very good season for Mark Richt and his uh, old Hurricanes. Yeah, their lowest uh, their lowest wins percentile is basically have a, uh, a coin flip game that is in Miami against Notre Dame. They also have to play... I thought they had to play NC State, but I guess they don't. They, or do they already, no, they don't have to play NC State. No, they don't have to play NC go State. Go figure. But they got to play Virginia Tech, um, Notre Dame, Pitt, um, Virginia, three in a row. Those are all in Miami, but those are all... Well, Virginia's not a coin flip game, but Virginia Tech and Notre Dame are. Yes. Uh, both within a touchdown. A couple um, of really good games, both at home, though. So they do have that going for them. Yeah. But the Notre Dame game should... Uh, that should be a tough game. Yeah. Um, and it should be a lot of fun to watch, I think. I mean, this is a team that, again, is kind of similar to Oklahoma. Well, they're they're sort of the, the poor man's Oklahoma in some ways because they're only the ninth S&P ranked, S&P plus ranked um, offense, but they are the 24th ranked defense. So they're a poor man's Oklahoma offensively, but defensively, you'd much rather have this defense than, um, uh, than Oklahoma's. But on the other hand, you know, something that the stats, well, they kind of tell you this because their um, passing or their efficiency is only okay. And their field position is just pretty bad offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that these stats don't completely elucidate is the fact that Miami has had a real knack of winning close games and winning them in the fourth quarter this year. Which, you know, you can make an argument that that's like, a, that's a, the sign of a winning program. Or you can make an argument that that's the sign of a paper tiger. But I did, you know, I did watch that Florida State game and they only won 24-20 against um, what probably is not that good of a Florida State team, honestly. And they only had a 31% win pants. And then they won against Georgia Tech just basically because Georgia Tech plays bad defense. Yeah. Um, it's so pretty funny looking at the per quarter S&P Plus you're talking about. Looks really good in the, uh, the fourth quarter. In the fourth and first quarter, they are ranked the sixth best team per quarter. 
and then second and third, they're 51st and 38, respectively. Oh, on offense. Uh, on yeah. offense, specifically. Yeah. So They haven't been able to get anything done in the middle of the game, but no. they will, by God, come out at the end. Mm-hmm. Which feels like a Mark Richt team. We were always a second-half team, I feel. Yeah. Um, you know, first half was never as good as the second half, and we somehow managed to squeak things out at the very end. Which, always a uh, little slow to adjust. A little slow to adjust. Um, very conservative play caller in Mark Richt, so... A lot of people have us playing them in the which bowl was it? Orange Bowl at the yeah, end of the season. That sounds uh, horrible. It sounds terrible to me. Going down to Miami and playing the Hurricanes in the Orange Bowl. So that would be a weird thing, and we wouldn't hear the end of it if we lost to Miami. Yeah. Now, I, I don't think that would happen because I think UGA would lobby behind the scenes against it really, really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think UGA wants to play Miami. No. They, um, it's not even about Miami. There's really not a good there's not a good outcome. Like if you win and you beat the crap out of them, then it's like your fans might get angry at you because they like Mark Richt. Mm-hmm. And if you win close, it's like, you know, the enthusiasm is there, but it's really not that big of a deal. And then if you lose, then you lost to Mark Richt. So there's yeah. really no way, no good way around it. AP poll number seven, we have Clemson, 6-1 and one right now. They are ranked 13th in S&P Plus, actually, with much better defense and offense, if I remember correctly. Yes. So on defense, they have the... Fourth fourth best defense and then they're 35th in sp plus so um, yeah one of the real concerns this this is a team that's only going to go as far as their quarterback takes it again but this time in the sense because of injuries because um kelly bryant got injured and may that injury may have been the reason that he did not um that they didn't win the syracuse game there's a, um yeah, he's apparently chance. supposed to be coming back he had a concussion but he was already had an ankle, and he was playing with an ankle injury, and then he got a concussion uh, in the Syracuse game, and I think that's part of the reason why he, it looks like he'll be back. But that's part of the reason why they lost Syracuse to begin with. I mean, you know, this is a team that I think is probably better than the than either the stat. I think they're actually a pretty good team. I think they just had kind of a perfect storm against Syracuse, and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't look particularly good against a couple of teams, but they do have this. They are, in some ways, they're kind of like the inverse of um, Miami because they have this knack of, like, they let you get to... They get they let you get kind of close, and then they just blow you up. As yeah. soon as you make the game any close at all, they'll they'll destroy you. So, like, um, S&P plus by quarter. Fourth, in, uh, fourth offensively in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. 20th in the second quarter. 45th in the third quarter. And 40, 34th in the fourth quarter. So, it's like... They destroy you in the first quarter. They let you get a little bit closer, and then they play better as they need to in the fourth. And it's all inverse on defense there. So yeah. offense, you got fourth in the first. And the second and third on defense, you have fourth as well. Whereas on offense, it goes up to 20 and 45 in the second and the third quarters. So yeah. they try to get up real fast, and then they just kind of conservatively play the ball. Yeah, Probably just run it a whole bunch is what I would most yeah, likely guess. But you, we could look at their run rates yeah. to find that out. Standard down. Yeah, uh, so standard down is 10th. Standard down S and P plus, uh, but if we want to look at like rushing specifically, yeah, they're twelfth. Yeah, standard down S&P, uh, um, rushing like success is twelfth. That makes sense. So it's just a team that sits there and plays conservatively over the game, and then has trouble. But then when they don't catching back up, well, it's like they don't they lose really, the lead. They kind of have trouble, but I mean, they had trouble against Syracuse, obviously. But in the past, this is a formula that's kind of worked out for them. It's just you know, Syracuse Eric Dungey, their quarterback was just playing with his hair on fire all night. And all right, who do we have next? After Clemson, we got the uh, Ohio State. I hate Ohio State. The number one team in S and P Plus. If I'm not I mistaken. hate Ohio State so yeah. much. Okay, so here's the thing about Ohio State. If we look, they have a loss to Oklahoma, which is a little befuddling. But they've got a loss to Oklahoma, uh, 31 to 16. The scores in their other games are 
Uh, win expectancies in those six wins. 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. This is a team that has absolutely been blowing people up. And, you know, they blowed some bad teams up, but they blew them up nonetheless. Uh, destroyed Nebraska. Pretty much embarrassed them at home. It holds true if you look at their def- uh, their percentile performances on offense. 91 outside of the loss to Oklahoma. 91, 96, 95, 96, 93, 92. They, um, they played very well, and they... By projection, they look like they're going to be undefeated, but um, you know they've still got a few pretty tough games going forward. They've got Penn State next week, Iowa the week after that, Michigan State, Illinois, and then Michigan. So four really good teams that they're going to have to beat here to finish out the season. I think um, the, the key to this team's potential loss would be uh, the team that's most likely to beat them is going to be Penn State, of course. Uh-huh. And so Penn State's great on both sides of the ball offensively, and we'll get to Penn State in a second, but... Looking at Ohio State's passing defense, it's not nearly as good as the rest, of their, the rest of their defense. Yeah, yeah. so they, they neither is their passing offense really. Yeah, so Ohio State's running the crap out of this ball, and they have a, a great dual threat quarterback. They just have a, a stable of quarterbacks, really. Ohio State is a team that we probably would not play. If we play Ohio State, it's going to be in the college football playoff, and we'll definitely get much deeper into it then. Yeah. Um. You know, normally I don't like to jinx things, but like whatever. We're not going to play them unless we're in the college football playoff, and then we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. Um, I think they're a very good team, though. They're a very good team, I, I reluctantly say. Uh, number five on the AP polls, Wisconsin. They are 7-0 and currently. Just very quietly destroying the Big Ten West. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is your most – this is the most Wisconsin team you could think of. 26th in offense, 6th in defense, but per S&P Plus. Um, so if we just, like, run through their, like – some numbers on um, individual, or sorry, on standard downs, the broken down or whatever. Standard down run rate, 77%, 7th seventh in the nation. Passing downs run rate, 26%, 103rd in the nation. They pass when you should pass. They throw when you should throw. They don't pa- They don't throw unless they absolutely have to. Um, they're really, really good at running the ball, and they're just consistent, you know, all the way through every quarter. Their defensive performance, 19, 19, 3, and 53 through quarters one through four. Um, I'm not sure that this is a team that can really challenge, like, you know, to beat Alabama, but they l- look like they very well could be going into the um, into the Big Ten Championship undefeated. It looks like a team... This The key to uh, Wisconsin's success at this point is their, is their defense, I feel. And they've been putting a lot of pressure because I think that their team is a lot bigger physically. Uh, if you look down their Havoc rates, they got linebacker and, and defensive back Havoc rates are both first, which you don't normally see that high of a, a Havoc rate in two separate positions. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I imagine they're, they're blitzing and just pushing offensive lines over constantly. And, I mean, pass defense to intercepted, they're intercepting a lot of balls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, this is a very, I think this is a very good team. I'm not sure that we've seen them beat anybody um, that lets us think that they are going to be a, a playoff contender. I mean... I mean, they are going to be able to win the, the playoff. I mean, not really. The S and P plus ranks of the teams that they've beaten so far: um, 71, 32, 120, 69, 73, 48, 93. That thirty two was Florida Atlantic. Uh, so yeah. the best team they've beaten is Florida. Atlantic. And then the rest of the season is one hundred six, fifty two, forty five, twenty seven, sixty two. Yeah, I mean, the game's really going to come down to just you know, do they beat the crap out of Iowa? Um, do they beat Michigan, and how mm-hmm. do they do coming into the Big Ten Championship game? Good luck, Wisconsin. Uh, coming in after Wisconsin at number four is TCU, and they are the overall sixth best uh, S&P Plus team right now in this league. 
Yeah, we played them last year, and then both of our teams just like went on a run. We played in that game in Memphis, and it was just like winning starts now, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty-three overall S and P plus ranked defense, eleventh overall, or twenty-three offense, eleventh on defense per S and P plus. This is a uh, a classic Gary Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they play the four-two-five. They run around. They try to make turnovers. They they try to play as efficiently as they can, but they'll give up some pat. They'll give up some yards. I mean. It's a good defense. Fifth in efficiency, 125th in explosiveness on defense. Um, a lot of that has to do with, I think that's more indicative of how they play ball and less about whether or not they're good. It just has to do with the fact that they play in the Big 12 and the style that they're playing with. Mm-hmm. So they'll definitely give up some plays explosively, but they're going to make you work for it. Yeah, this is a super good defense. And unlike TCU of past, uh, at least in, in my experience, it doesn't seem as explosive as they used to be. They should just air the ball out constantly and score big points. Which they're they're scoring a lot of points this year, but against uh, like non-ranked ninety thirty-eight, and then the the best win they have on their schedule at this point is Oklahoma State, which uh, was SP plus ranked eight. Yeah, um, it's a 31 win at Oklahoma State, which is really great. And the rest of their season kind of just looks. Eh. They got uh, uh, Iowa State at twenty-four, and then Oklahoma at fourteen. So, I mean, if so, the problem they have the same problem that Oklahoma State does, which is that whoever they play, the best team they play in the regular season, they're gonna have to play again in the mm-hmm. stupid Big Ten or Big Twelve championship because the Big Twelve has a championship game, even <laughs> though they don't have enough teams to re- play a true division matchup. So that's kind of frustrating. I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is a team that this team would this would be a team I would be worried about playing. They have a formidable offense. They have a very good defense. I think they're not your typical like Big Twelve quote unquote soft team. I think they're a really good, well coached team. Mm-hmm. I would not. I would not want to play them. I would not want to play TCU either. They have a very, very good defense, and they have a well above average offense, like you were saying. So let's hope that we don't see TCU again anytime soon. <laughs> uh, next team on the docket, we have us. We'll skip us for now. Yeah, we'll come back. To <laughs> um, we have Penn State at number two on the AP poll. Penn State comes in at number three on S and P plus ranking. Yeah. Yep. Um, Penn State, uh, Joe Moorhead is maybe my favorite offensive coordinator in the nation right now. Just what he does is just really awesome. He's, he runs all sorts of crazy different plays. He basically comes up with a new game plan every week. He doesn't really have any tendencies. He throws the ball deep a crap ton. That's maybe his only tendency, but he does it at the right times, and he does it with very interesting play designs. So, I mean, I you know, I hate... Like I want to hate Penn State just like as a brand, but I really love Je- I really love Joe Moorhead. I think he's going to be a really good coach going forward. Um, they've kind of been blowing people out, not quite on the on the Ole Miss or the uh, what am I saying Ole Miss on the Ohio State level, but I mean their closest game is twenty one nineteen over Iowa, which was the best team they played. Well, no, second best team they played. But other than that, fifty two nothing, thirty three fourteen, fifty six to nothing, forty five fourteen, thirty one seven, and forty two thirteen. So, you know, if they're playing when they're playing good teams, I mean, they beat the crap out of 27th ranked Michigan last week. Mm-hmm. When they're playing good teams, they're coming to play. I mean, ninth defense, 10th offense, very well-rounded. You're not going to see a lot of defensive offensive splits that look like that that are that close together. I mean, when you when you see a team that looks like that where their S&P plus rank is that close on either side, it just means they're a well-rounded team. They're a very well-rounded team, yeah. Making great play calls. They have like, a lot of great talent, which they do. Um, they got Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley, eh, which are a fantastic duo um both on the ground and through the air what i don't like about what this looks like for the rest of the season penn state is most likely going to lose to ohio state if they win against ohio state i'll be very happy because it'll bump ohio state uh, ohio state down a bit but 
they will most likely lose to Ohio State. And what that means in the AP poll is that Penn State's going to drop most likely, yep. and Ohio State's going to come up. Yep. There's a chance that we go up to number two, sure. There's also a chance that we don't move for whatever reason, depending on how TCU and Wisconsin do this weekend and how hard Ohio State beats Penn State because AP poll loves Ohio State. They love Alabama. Um, yeah, but I mean, they're not going to have that much. They're not going to have, have that much jump, I know. That. They're not going to have any input on the college football selection process. They won't. So I'm excited to see. That's supposed to come out next weekend, right? Yeah, Usually yeah. comes out at right, the Right after uh, the Florida game. Okay. And then we'll get kind of see where that all sits around. Where do you think it sits? Where do you think we sit on there? Um, I've seen us projected at number two. I think that's where we'll come out. I think we have a pretty good strength of schedule compared to the rest of the top teams. And, you know, I think it'll be us... It'll be Alabama, Georgia, then probably like Penn State, Oklahoma State, maybe something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty confident about those first two. I, yeah. I could I could see them trying to deliberately stub Ohio State just because they have one loss. I do have a dream where Georgia and Alabama play number one and number two in the SEC championship. But at the same time, that dream means one of those teams is not going to the playoffs. <laughs> and right. so, well, most likely. I mean, it just depends, though, because I think if we beat Alabama, Alabama might still go. And yeah. I think if we manage to lose to Alabama by not a lot, we might get in. But then you get into the nightmare scenario with, like you said, Penn State or Notre Dame jumping us and then us yeah. having to watch from home, which would be really frustrating. I definitely think Penn State, Ohio State, and Notre Dame are going to shake it all up. And we're going to see where those three teams kind of lay at the end of the season. Because Miami could go. Yeah. There's a yeah. chance Miami gets up there. Well, I, think I mean, Miami's got to beat Clemson in the ACC title. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's, there's a potential for that happening. Um, one of those teams is going to win. And I think that one of those teams makes it. Alabama makes it. I know we've talked about it before where I don't want to say that Alabama's going to beat us. But you're the more realist one of us, too. And so there's a good chance that it'll be Alabama. Um, I, I, I mean, I think we just need to hope when we play Alabama. I'm not saying I don't want to win Alabama, but I think my goal is just don't get embarrassed. Yeah, don't get embarrassed. Make it a competitive game. Yeah. Keep it within one score. And that's that's all that really matters. Which brings us to our final number one on the AP Top 25 is Alabama, of course. And it has been for years now. Nothing new. With they're number two on the S&P Plus, though. They are number two on the S&P Plus. Because S&P Plus values... Um, just blowing people out even if they're good even if they're bad yeah so of course alabama is ranked 13th on offense s&p plus and first in defense uh they are allowing the second least points per game right now and they're scoring the sixth most yeah they're good they're very good we all know this uh, the rest of their schedule is not necessarily a cakewalk but it's not hard either it's actually the hardest point of their schedule now that yeah I'm i mean but it. their win percentage is going forward 89 75 165 the auburn, fact that they so. can beat auburn 65 percent of the time yeah that's pretty impressive auburn's a good team yeah 12th ranked right now on s&p plus um but yeah what, I mean, what do we even have to say about alabama other than I mean, we're gonna good. get into it more if we do play them in the sec championship yeah i mean um i think sort of the point of this was to expose some people who maybe don't have as much of a national interest in the game mm-hmm. and just what some of the stats say about the other teams so um, I don't feel obligated to get that deep in Alabama. Okay, so now I think it's the appropriate time for us to talk about the University of Georgia state of the program. Um, so what we're going to do is, you know, we've already talked uh, ad nauseum. I hope not literally, but um, <laughs> figuratively ad nauseum about UGA this season statistically. Um, so this is going to just be a time for us to exercise all of our little um particular hang-ups statistically and fetishes and 
get out the demons as we just talk about where we are. So what I want to do first, Justin, um, I want to talk about any stats that you've been looking at and that, you know, you really stand out to you that to this point in the season. And then um, what we'll do is we'll, after that, I know usually we go subjective to objective, but today mm-hmm. let's go objective to subjective. So let's talk about stats first and then we'll talk about where we are kind of as a team. Sure. So is there anything that's really like gotten you really like blows your mind? This rush defense. So just going down real quick, the ranks of our rush defense. And I want you to pay close attention to the margin between the lowest and the highest for all of these on our rush defense. Rushing S&P Plus, 4. Rushing success rate, 4. Rushing ISO PPP, 5. Adjusted line yards, 3. Opportunity rate, 6. And power success rate, the lowest of them all is 7. This rush defense is ludicrous. Yeah. And I love it. I love it from top to bottom. And this weekend coming up with Florida, we are going to have all of our backs cleared again to play, which yep. we just heard today, which is fantastic. Uh, linebackers? Yeah. I, well, yeah, Nate Charles Patrick's still suspended, but everybody else yeah. is back. And Trenton Thompson's back, and John Atkins is back. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, oh, God, I've got so much. <sighs> okay, we're going to wait. <laughs> it's brewing. It's we're, percolating. We're just, um, just a little um, inside Chapel Bell Curve. I would say inside baseball, but I don't want to acknowledge that the Braves exist. Um, a little inside Chapel Bell Curve. We're actually recording this before we record our Florida podcast because I have to get enough coffee in my system at four in the afternoon to work up to yell about Florida. So, or six or whatever time it is. It doesn't take a lot of coffee, but just so you know. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm about a quarter of a cup in and I'm ready. Okay. So, um, I think that's a really good point. I think that the core of this the core of this team is that we've had good rush defense. And uh, there's two stats I want to point out that I think really tell the story of the of the year. One is something that we're only average at, and one is something that we're very, very, very good at. Um, rushing, well, the two rushing stats. Adjusted line yards for carry, um, offensively, good for 40th in the nation. Now, you will recall that we were sitting at like 110th yeah. last year. So that's like a huge improvement. And that, I think, really speaks to the... I don't know, just the the improvement this offensive line has seen. Opportunity rate, 16th in the nation. Power success rate, 42nd in the nation. Stuff rate, 53rd in the nation. These were numbers that we were looking at in the 100s, 90s, and 80s last year. So um, just that level of improvement. You know, we talked at the beginning of the year about one of my whole things was like, if we can just get a replacement level offensive line, the difference between the offensive line we had last year and their performance and the performance of a replacement offensive, replacement level offensive line, quote unquote, just an average offensive line, would would really, really make a huge difference because that was the biggest glare sweeping that we had, uh, weakness that we had. And um, I hate to toot my own horn, but I think that's been, that's, you know, proved pretty prescient in the sense that the story of the season you know, the quote-unquote narrative of the season has probably been the success of Jake Fromm, but I think the success of Jake Fromm has only been there because we've been so good at running the ball and stopping the run. The second stat I want to talk about, and this is one that I don't think we've really talked about before this year, but it's just something I want to point out, and I think it actually came up on Waiting Sets last Saturday, mm-hmm. um, too, which I think they were very right to point this out. Percentage of solo tackles, 16.9%, good for 126th in the nation. National average is 73rd or 73%. I that's actually a stat where you want to be low you know what I mean because Mm -hmm. you don't you what that tells me is that we're not putting people on islands that much a and b that when someone gets to the ball like when and think about like how that meshes up with your subjective view of how this defense plays 
Um, when there's a red shirt on the ball, there's normally two or more red shirts on the ball. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like what was kind of like jarring with those three big touchdowns or two big touchdowns mainly um, in Missouri was that there was just one red shirt by the guy, you know. And so that I think is very telling about a defense that just likes to play. I mean, they, they enjoy playing. They have discipline. They've been policing their own. I think that, you know, the clearest um, expression of how we'll have more discussions about the culture going forward, but mm. the clearest discretion or, or the, the clearest expression of how much the culture has changed between last year and this year is just the play and the, the high level of play and the consistent level of play and just the discipline level of play with this defense from, from week in to week out, snap in to snap out. Anything else standing out to you you want to point out? Uh, I was just now looking at, you know, standard down rates. I love the way this team plays uh, in standard downs. Like, we, we don't really get to third and out often. Yeah, we don't let efficient. teams get to... Well, third and out we do get to, but we don't let teams get to the point where they can actually run the ball to make the first down. Yeah. Teams have to work for their first down because uh, just like those defensive rushing stats that I was giving you before, look at our standard downs S&P Plus. Those all lend to specifically the standard downs S&P Plus, which we are ranked first in the nation right now um, defensively. And then second on standard down success rate. So that's fantastic, first of all. Uh, A little bit lower in our passing downs, S&P Plus, but not that much lower. So we have gotten better over the season, eight games in now. We're looking at just this season with all these stats, which is fantastic news. So we're just looking at who's on the field. Nothing from last year, nothing from anything else but what we can see in front of us. And I think I've got got two more. And Mm -hmm. I think, yes, that is right. Looking at standard downs, passing downs... Is, is really illuminating to how the defense is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, situational downs. I mean, if you just want to look at how does this team prepare and how do they adjust? Mm-hmm. Offensively, 15th ranked quarter one S&P plus. 46th ranked quarter two S&P plus. 29th ranked uh, quarter three S&P plus. 107th ranked quarter four S&P plus. I actually like all of those numbers because I think they tell a specific story. Offensively, that's, that's all based off yards per quarter, too. Well, yeah, I mean, it's yards, success rate, et cetera. Yeah. But offensively, I think that story that, story that tells, and it's similar defensively, but I think that, you know, it's more important offensively because that's the worst side of the ball. A story that tells is we come up with a pretty good game plan. If it doesn't work in the second quarter, we make adjustments and improve. And then we get so far ahead in the fourth quarter that it doesn't matter. We yeah, don't do it's just garbage time for us. Because if we look at the defensive S&P plus ranks, that would be one in the first quarter, 17th in the second quarter, one in the third quarter, and 15th in the fourth quarter. I almost just passed out because of a lack of blood flow to my head. Like that's where, like that's what just happened to me. Yeah. Like I, almost, I just got the vapors. <laughs> like, good God. So I mean, I think that kind of tells it. That is the story of the team that Kirby Smart wanted to make. Kirby Smart wants a team that outplans you, has better players than you, and makes enough adjustments that they can just crush you, right? Like, the the thing that everybody says about Alabama is that they outtalent you. A lot of teams have had a lot of talent and not been as d- consistently dominant than, than as Saban has, and that's not just because he recruits so well. It's because he is he is the kind of guy that will plan you into the ground, and then when his plans stop working, he's got a second plan and a third plan and a fourth plan and a fifth plan. And in fact, the only times that he's ever been shown to be mortal in his whole coaching career at Alabama was when someone made him get off of his plans, like when there's a fluky a fluky bounce touchdown or when you have Johnny Manziel just like basically unconscious on quaaludes playing against you for <laughs> texas a&m i mean like those are things that you can't plan for in the course of a normal football game those are the only things that give saving trouble and i think that's kind of similar to what what we're seeing here right it might take them a quarter or they might have to get to halftime to to react to what's going on but they by god will react yeah. you know and i and that's that's very heartening to me and you know more than anything else like 
I, I of course, want to see us do well. I want to see us win national championships. But I just want to see a team that won't embarrass you week in and week out. And this yeah. is a team that will play hard. This team makes you proud yeah. from start to finish. Um, I think, you know, one of the most the, uh, underrated and unsung heroes of this team still. We, we talk about him a few times here and there. But I think the real unsung hero is Cameron Nislik. Yeah, dude. Number one overall special teams S&P Plus in the world, in the nation. In the yeah. World. Jeez. Rodrigo well, Blankenship and Cameron Nislik are really running this special teams. Uh, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the the ranks for the different categories, field goal value per kick thirteenth, punt success rate third. There's Nislik. Yep. Kickoff success rate thirteenth. Punt return success rate twenty first. Kick return success rate fifty fourth. But yeah, like those, those first four ranks right there. That's all. Rodrigo Blankenship and Cameron Nislik, and I think those guys don't get enough recognition, really. Rodrigo does get talked about a lot because of his silly glasses, but Cameron Nislik, like, Nislik really came on this team and just kind of hit the ground running and mm-hmm. hasn't stopped. Mm-hmm. He gives us fantastic field position. And so without him, I mean, the defense would still be the defense, but I think they'd have a much harder time being as successful as they have been without him. I agree. So hats off to you, Cameron, Mr. Nislik. Um, a couple... I, I keep saying we're done, and I just keep having You find more, more stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Okay, so two I want to point out. Let's look at individual defensive player success rate, which mm. is defined by if a player makes a tackle on a play, how often is that play successful, which is to say it gains more than five yards. Mm-hmm. Roquan Smith, 26.9%. Here's what's staggering at that, about that number. Um, it looks like, at first glance, the highest on the team is 17% for Trenton Thompson, but that makes sense, right? Like... He's a defensive tackle. If he tackles you, yeah. you have not had a successful play. Mm-hmm. What's staggering to me is that it's less than 30% of the time do you successfully run a play on Roquan Smith. Yeah. A guy who starts every play five to six yards and sometimes even 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. God, do I love him. <laughs> and that's somebody, like, if you look down the line, you'll see a few more stats like that, but it's only because they're they're red shirts. And Se- okay, hold on. Who haven't seven, really done much more. Seven run stuffs. Seven run stuffs for our inside linebacker. Yep. God. He's incredible. I know. I know. Don't, dude, you're telling me. <laughs> and, uh, oh, the next, you didn't even see this one. 41 tackles on the year. I know. Jesus. I think he's got the fifth best in the SEC right now. I think it's right around there. I mean, I can look. I can look it up right now. Yeah, let's look it up real quick. The next best is JRE, the 27 and a half. National. Let's look up for, let's look for my boy, Roquan. Your boy, Roquan. There's a lot of people tied at the, in the 40s. The number one overall tackler plays for San, San Jose State. He has 115. Holy cow. Yeah. Why, how? Right. What is he doing? Uh, I don't know. He's a linebacker for San Jose State, so they're not very good. So I guess that's probably why. Let's see if I can play find Roquan here. This is great radio. <laughs> I always like how other, other podcasts are always like, this is great radio, and then they leave it in, and then mm-hmm. we don't. I'm more concerned about his his place in the conference than I am like national. Okay, let's look at it conference wise. Um, SEC conference tackles. He is tied for ninth. South a dude from South Carolina, a dude from Missouri, a dude from Kentucky, and a dude from Florida. Which I know that he's also in the running for the best SEC player of the year. Yeah. SEC defensive, defensive player, player for sure. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this is this is an insane defense. This defense. I I mean I just love I don't know. This, this is just a very good defense that plays very hard. And they, they play, you know, they are true damn good dogs. They play hard, they play aggressive, they play, and they just don't give up points. Even without all of our players on, on the field, even without, like, John Atkins and Trenton Thompson, we were fine. John Atkins, Trenton Thompson, Trez Patrick, uh, Reggie Carter, 
Those yeah. are like f- the center of our defense is basically gone. But since the rest of the center of our defense is Raquan Smith, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> we had all those linebackers, so it didn't matter if there was anybody getting through. Yeah. Um, let's look at the rest of the year, though. The big game that's coming up is, of course, Auburn, the biggest game for the rest of the year. Auburn, who's sitting pretty at 12th ranked S&P Plus. And then this weekend is Florida. You know, Anna actually asked me earlier, she bought a new outfit. It's like a new dress at Target yesterday. Yeah. And she was like, talking about she's going to wear it today and everything. And she, um, she's like, I'm so excited. I got this new dress. It looks great on me. I love it. It's really awesome. And then I was like, what's it look like? And she goes, oh, I can't wear it this week. I was like, why? What's wrong? There she's we like, go. Uh, it's blue and orange. There I can't go. wear it this week. That's a, that's a well-trained dog. That's a well, a well, I don't mean that in like the sense I know that you your fiance is a dog. No, I mean she's that, a damn good dog. I mean, she was in red coats with me. And in red coats, like, I remember my freshman year, I wore jorts once. And, like, a senior came up to me and very seriously was like, don't do that again. Don't wear shorts to practice. Don't wear that ever again. Period. And it was not like, ha, 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 Gators wear jean shorts. It, it was, was like, very serious. No, no, I'm very serious. Like, if you wear those again, like, I'm going to send you home. Which I don't think is, like, the official policy of the Redcoat Band. I don't think that would have happened or anything. But but it was uh, very real. But it, it was, I took it very seriously because I was a freshman. And, like, you know, when we gave the Redcoats uh, Powerade earlier this year, they left, like, 200 orange ones. <laughs> We had like we had like eight hundred Powerades or something, and uh-huh. the Redcoats drank all of them but the orange ones. That's incredible. Good dogs. So let's look at the objective. Look at it objectively. Well, no, that was objective, right? That was. Oh, you're right. Stats. I'm sorry. Let's, let's look at it subjective- subjectively. subjectively. Okay. We usually do it the other way around, so I was already. Yeah. I was already. So here. subjectively, what did we say at the beginning of the year? We're going to be our. What were our predictions? Uh, in terms of what? I we think were, we were both at ten and two, right? I think ten and two. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we thought, thought we were going to lose to Auburn. We thought we were going to lose. We thought we were gonna, I you thought we were going to lose Auburn and Georgia, uh, Auburn and Notre Dame. Yeah, I thought, and you thought maybe Florida. So you said nine and three was most likely. I think you said ten and two was what you were hoping for. Yeah. And now we're sitting at eleven and one is Projection. most likely, yeah. um, but we still have a twenty six percent chance of winning out the rest of the season. So forty five percent chance of one loss. Here's what I would point out: the overperformance that we've seen has not been in wins and losses. Really, the only difference that I've seen, and the only difference record-wise that I expected, was the Notre Dame game, which we only won by one point. So it's just really interesting because it's it's been really interesting because I really think that like a lot of the perception about the t- about this team has less to do about their record and more to do with, with do, to do with how they play. This is not a soft seven and team, six and no. team. This is a a pretty tough like have played very 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 good teams. Um, have destroyed bad teams, have had have a good road uh, win. So this is a team that like looks better than a lot of Georgia teams that have started out six and zero. So that's what's kind of been surprising to me. That's my biggest takeaway is that like this team looks like, you know, at the beginning of the season I thought, wow, you know, best case scenario, we have a really good year and we end up in the college football playoff, and then it just doesn't matter, you know, just whatever happens. And I still kind of think that, but now it's like if we end up in the college football playoff and we're playing anyone but Alabama or Ohio State in the first round, I think we got a shot. I think we got a shot with just about everybody. In the, I think we got a puncher's chance with everybody, everybody in the um, nation, and I think especially everybody but uh, Florida or but Alabama and Ohio State. I just so. pulled up um, an SB Nation article while you were talking through that, and it's got <laughs> it's titled "If 2017's uh, CFP Rankings Came Out Right Now Today, mm-hmm. What Would It Look Like?" It's got Georgia at number one for both these guys writing these. Uh, Right in this, um, I think it's because we have such we have a better quality win. Than we do, yeah. Does. And in past years, that's kind of how it's tracked. Is like quality wins are always bigger, and strength yeah. of schedule is bigger too. Uh-huh. It's it's heavier, more heavily weighted than the rest of everything else. And um, 
So that would be cool if that happened. <laughs> it's got Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Penn State 3, TCU 4. You got anything else? What do you think? I mean, what are you thinking subjective? Subjectively? I think that this team, it's crazy. Like, I I go throughout the week and I think about the dogs during the week. And I think about, like, yeah, of course. all these other teams that are that are doing well. And these teams, like, we're gearing up to see the college football playoffs and everything. And what's going to happen? What's going to look like? What's gonna, what's going to be hard for us? And I keep thinking that pocket passes are going to be hard for us and all these teams with the air raid offense. But then I just think about how freaking good our defense is and how good our coaching staff is and how well we adapt to who we're playing and how we just out-prepare literally everyone. Mm-hmm. And I get real, real high on the thought of us doing really well in these rankings. And I'm very excited for this Florida game to be over um, so we can kind of get back to a normal routine because I am, of course, a creature of habit. But I, I just really want to see where we go i am i'm feeling good about this year and i'm feeling even better now that we went over these stats again because i was starting to forget how good it was looking yeah i know it's just like you well <laughs> it's like your negative dog your uh your downer dog lulls yourself into like a false yeah. sense of sadness like you don't i feel like i don't have a false sense of security i have like a false sense of paranoia yeah but then the we, we go through all these rankings and it's not the disney dog in us it's the the real dog the stats dog that kind of makes us feel good about it again i feel all right yeah. I feel okay. I do too. This has been Chapel Bell Curve. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can subscribe to a podcast. You can get in touch with us on Facebook by searching Chapel Bell Curve by email at chapelbellcurve at gmail.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Chapel Bell Curve. Go check out our website at chapelbellcurve.com for just everything we want to write. We've got our two-minute drills on Anchor up there. Check those out. We've got blog posts. We've got stats breakdowns. We've got observations broken down by play. We've got a Twitter feed. We've got... Just It's your one-stop shop for our particular brand of nerdery. If you enjoyed today's episodes, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really, really, really helps. And we actually, I think, are going to read some more off here in a second. But we'll catch you in the Classic City this week. And then we'll catch you, well, I will catch you um, on Saturday in Jacksonville. But until then, go Go dogs. dogs.